alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Hello and welcome to the 27th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Um, <laughs> I know we always talk about the weather too much, but I gotta just say, so uh, last week, nothing but rain and then today... Or this week, it's like 80, 90 degrees, and it's, uh, I don't like the weather flip-flop. I'm sure you remember that. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough time of year up in the Midwest, right around now. <laughs> you know, uh, I was going to tell you, so I went to Jimmy John's today for lunch, and like, obviously used to work there. Do they require you to wear those hats? Yes, they do. Okay. All right. Is there like, do they force you to wear them a certain way? Because I see a lot of the kids... Have like the hats with that like sideways, how they wear it sideways, you know? That's probably some corporate bullshit where they think that like kids wear it like that to be cool. Like <laughs> it's probably some 40 year old asshole who remembers when that was cool in the 90s. <laughs> I seen that uh, are the, only the girls are wear, allowed to wear visors. Uh, I think it's if they have hair like that goes. I know the dudes can wear visors too, but a lot of them wear it because they have to put their hair back in a bun. So they either put it through like the baseball cap, like the back end, or over the top. Ah, okay. Well, uh, if any Jimmy John's employees are out there, why don't you uh, tell us if you enjoy wearing the hat? But anyway, <laughs> Phil, so I heard uh, you, you talked about earlier uh, some interesting character that you happened to stumble upon in, in the lovely state of Arizona. Yeah, just another uh, episode of People of Mesa, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I was uh, waiting for my lift on the way to the Iowa-Iowa State game. And this dude comes by on roller skates. And it's this guy's got to be in his late 40s. And uh, he's sporting fucking, uh, like, booty shorts, a fucking cut-off t-shirt. I think it was uh, a crop top. So I think that's what he called a crop top. Was that a crop top? All right, it's a crop top with his <laughs> gut hanging out. And he had a big fucking woolly beard, all fucking hair. And his face was covered in what I thought was paint at first, but I think now it might be uh, sunscreen. But, like, I, I actually didn't take a picture of him because I was afraid he might fucking try to bite me like he's a zombie dude. But when I was in my lift, we caught up with him, and I got a great picture, which I'm going to post. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking to myself, like, damn, dude, like, I have never been in my life that free as that individual is <laughs> right then at that moment. Did you like, mention he was on rollerblades, too? He was on rollerblades and he was just <laughs> loving it. Just fucking big smile, waving at people like, you know, <laughs> just going along. That's uh, uh well, I, we should say to his shirt, his crop top um, said chill on it. That sort of yeah. said, right? Chill. Those were definitely not men's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying they spelled it like Netflix spells it. Like I, I imagine it was a ripoff of like the Netflix and chill thing. 
But this guy had it on his shirt for some reason. I, I don't know. I guess he was chilling, technically. He was having the time of his life. Yeah. That cocaine. It's a hell of a fucking drug. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever he was on, fucking shrooms maybe, but he was living it. <laughs> I don't know if you'd go rollerblading on shrooms, would you? <laughs> I don't I'll know. We'll have to ask, I'll have to ask him the next time I see him. <laughs> see if you can find where he lives and just like... Ask if he can do any sweet tricks on his rollerblades or something. Do you remember the old Disney movie about the rollerbladers? I can't remember the name of it. It might have been like Skate or like... I don't even remember what it was. What if that... Was it like a late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, 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 yeah. What if that guy was the main actor from that movie and now... Obviously, he's a failed actor, so maybe that's just how he lives his life now. He's trying to... Resume the glory days of when he was the main protagonist in said Disney movie. Yeah, I don't know. Those people <laughs> usually, uh, <laughs> they always tell you, like, those uh, former child star type people. Like, not even child star, just like they were in one little thing. Like, they were always like, oh, I was an extra in blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, I didn't ask. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to drink my coffee, sir. <laughs> He's like, do you know who I am? Uh, do you remember the movie Along Came Polly? Yeah. Um, what you just said reminded me of, God, I can't even think of his name. Um, ben Stiller's best friend who is in, it was like a childhood actor. And now he, he, he like tells everybody that he's got all these big roles coming up. Yeah. That uh, <laughs> that's, that's what it reminds me of what you just said. We just can't <laughs> let it go. Can't let it go. Anyway, Phil, uh, should we should we dive in here? Should we get started? Yeah, let's go. I heard you got a, got a big one today. Yeah, it's a little longer than I normally do, but uh, I don't think the audience will care. Now, this is something that I had been thinking about for quite a long time, uh, just because, you know, I, it's a subject that I'm really interested in, and I don't even know if it's technically a conspiracy but it's along the lines of mysterious. So, and uh, I wanted to do King Tut's curse. Um, awesome. Yeah. So I actually learned a lot of things that I didn't know. And once we get to all the people dying from alleged curse, um, do you remember hearing about? They suspect that there's like black mold or bacteria in the tomb, and that's why they were all dying. Have you heard that like new theory? No, I haven't heard that. Not at all. Like, okay, so it was some sort of fungi or something that was within King Tut's tomb, and when they opened it, it released the spores, and obviously, like, black mold is, like, super fucking deadly, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that, that shit used to grow in my uh, house. That's <laughs> back, not good. Back out there. Yeah, that's no, not it good at all. It was that, uh... Those English fucking houses don't have very good ventilation in the bathroom, so. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that shit's very bad for you. But anyway, um, when we talk about the deaths, a lot of their deaths aren't even related to, like, illnesses. So I don't even know where that theory is coming out of the woodwork, but we'll get there. We're going to we're gonna start the journey off um, basically with the guy who found the tomb, uh, British archaeologist in Egyptologist Howard Carter along with his sponsored Lord, I had to look this guy's name up, Carnivon, Lord Carnivon. I'm pretty sure that's how it, uh, how his name is pronounced. Anyway, they, they would spend many years and like a shit, to shit ton of money, um, in the Valley of the Kings in Egypt, hoping to find 
the tomb of some pharaoh. I mean, obviously, I don't think they were specifically looking for King Tut. They just wanted to find something. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It was big money back then. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, 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 yeah. The story about King Tut's crazy just because of how big they they built up like his legend, even though he wasn't even like that great of a pharaoh. No, he I didn't really include too much information about him specifically because like you said like the only thing that's really interesting about him is that he was a boy king um because i think he he was elected pharaoh when he was nine right eight or nine or something like that yeah i think he ascended to the throne when he was really young well something i learned about him too that i didn't know was apparently when he was reigning egypt was split into like two sectors and uh, he was like the leader of the lower Egypt and some other guy was a leader of upper Egypt. Had you ever heard yeah. that before? Yeah. Yeah. And then I learned that he married his sister. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now it's like, ew, gross. But uh, during this time, I'm pretty sure all the pharaohs were like marrying only their family members repeatedly over and over and over and over again. Yeah, they got to keep that bloodline clean. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Don't let nobody don't let nobody else in. <laughs> uh, if only they knew what happens when you start inbreeding and all of that shit. Yeah, they uh they actually showed like a recreation of what King Tut might have looked like and he is like central Pittsburgh inbred. Like it is bad. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. <laughs> I'm I'm going to actually mention this quick before we continue. So uh, a fan of ours had messaged me. I don't know if she messaged you too, but she was saying she was talking to some coworker or friend or something, and they had mentioned that she was from Pittsburgh. And she told me in her mind all she wanted to yell at her was hashtag leave Pittsburgh. <laughs> I was like, man, you should have fucking roasted her. That would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> back to the story here. So... Um, they're searching through the Valley of the Kings. Now, when they were searching, most of the tombs that were buried there had already been looted by uh, tomb uh, robbers and all of that. Basically, people just stealing all the gold and shit. So, as we're going to find out, a lot of them believe that there just wasn't anything left. So, when they found King Tut, it was crazy because there wasn't supposed to be anything there, basically. Now... The main guy, Howard Carter, would begin working in Egypt at the age of 17, and it would be another 31 years before he would discover King Tut's tomb. So he he worked in Egypt a long fucking time. Dude, he fucking stuck with it. Like... He did. He did. He was determined. But he he wasn't always searching for, like, just, say, King Tut. So um, in 1889, Carter would take the job as Inspector General of Monuments for Upper Egypt. Now, what does an yeah. inspector general of monuments do? I well, during this time, uh, the British Empire was basically looting the world's monuments and bringing ah, them back to okay. London museums. So I'm willing to bet it has something to do with uh, getting the shit out of the country. So, <laughs> so are you going to stand there and tell me that Howard Carter isn't a native uh, Egyptian name? No, I do not believe so. <laughs> so yeah, um, when we went to those museums in London, yeah, um, all of that shit was stolen during the Victorian <laughs> era, like all of it <laughs> from everywhere. So uh, you're not on Howard Cow Howard Carter's side, then I take it. 
He's no, a thief. dude. Like, it's good that like we can see this shit. You know, <laughs> I mean, imagine if he didn't take it. By now, it would have been grabbed by some fucking asshole and sold to a billionaire. And right. in, you know, in their home. Like, right. it's awesome that we get to walk. We, we get to look at it. I mean, we went to that museum and saw the fucking Rosetta Stone. You yeah, know? like that's true. That's very true. So uh, continuing on with Howard Carter here. Um, in 1905, he re- he resigned from his inspector general job, and then in 1907, he would be hired by Lord Carnarvon. Now, George Edward Stanhope Molyneux Herbert, the fifth Earl of Carnarvon, was a man who uh, who we just said, Lord Carvon. Um, around this time, if you remember, cars were just coming into their own, and since he was a rich dude. He loved to spend his time racing automobiles. That was like his hobby, even though they were just new. I think we actually talked about racing in Britain right when the automobiles were uh, created in our airship episode. Do you remember that? Yeah, they, uh, they, well, they were kind of considered like rich people's toys. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, Um, would, do you think the Earl, the Earl of <laughs> Carnarvon, um, what, how much money do you think he has a lot? Uh, the Earl of Carnarvon, uh, in back then dollars? Yeah, in back then dollars. I'm willing to say he probably, let's say it's 20 million pounds. Damn. Okay, so he could afford some cars. Well, no, I'm saying like that's what would be a lot of money back then. Oh, like, but I'm, I, if I'm, I'm some, some rich Earl, I'm guessing like, you know, multi-millionaire like i'm assuming, probably all tied up but you know i'm assuming if you're an earl then you probably are pretty wealthy right yeah anyone like that was the time when like post-victoria like there was a ton of rich motherfuckers mm. uh, in england so you know what's funny about this story that we're gonna see like it it literally follows a trope of like <laughs> egyptian treasure hunter movies we have the archaeologist, then you always have the rich guy. Yeah. You ever notice that? <laughs> like maybe they're just basing it off of these two characters, but uh, it's, it's kind of funny. So anyway, well, the the trope is pretty true throughout. I mean, even nowadays, you'll have like the guy out in the dirt actually digging the shit up, and then once he finds something, the rich person flies in and takes a picture with it. So. <laughs> well, uh, that's funny because it's basically exactly what's going to happen in this story. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, the Lord, he raced until 1901, and then he got in a bad car accident, and he was injured, and then for some reason, I'm not sure what illness that he got, But something was lingering with him, and because of the damp English winters, he would spend the winter in Egypt to try to uh, return his health, I guess. Um, Mm, Get that dry air. Yeah. Remember, uh, I don't know if you, have you ever heard of, like, the TB clinics and all of that? Yeah, I have heard about it. um, Where they, like... They're like, oh, you need to go to an arid environment because it'll kill off the fucking tuberculosis and stuff. They had some it'll weird... It'll clean the shit out of their lungs. Yeah. yeah. They had some weird, weird, weird beliefs. So anyway, um, two years after his car crash and him visiting Egypt, he decided, uh, why don't I pick up a new hobby? And that was archaeology. So Lord Carnarvon, um, his first season, they refer to him as seasons, right? Like they... 
I think it's over a span of a year is what they consider a season or within a certain time frame of a year. So I'm going to be using the word season quite a bit here. Um, his okay. first season, any guess what you think he found in his first year? Um, VD. <laughs> he caught a venereal disease when he was doing yeah. archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. I imagine if you're on vacation in exotic land, you're going to, you know, sample the local delicacies. So. <laughs> well, uh, you're pretty close. He found a mummified cat and it was still in its coffin. Oof, that's kind of cool, actually. I kind of I'd want that. That's kind of cool. But anyway, um, and then after he kind of got sick of trying to be an amateur archaeologist and wasn't really finding much, he decided he decided to hire Howard Carter because Howard Carter was obviously extremely well experienced. Now, from when he hired him, they would spend several more seasons working together, uh, excavating the Valley of the Kings until World War One started. And then when World War One started, um, they were forced. They couldn't really continue their work until the war was over, obviously. So, yeah, um, they finally resumed in 1917. And Carter, um, when he was searching the Valley of the Kings, he began. He found like three of Tutankhamun's uh, items. They were items that had like either his his sigil or his mark or whatever said his name on it. So he was starting to believe that, hey, they were really close to this king. Because I think they knew he existed, but they weren't a positive if he existed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, from 1917, uh, after five years, Carter Carter and uh, Lord Carnarvon had been searching this entire area. Hadn't really had any luck. Um, and Lord Carnarvon was about ready to give up and just say, hey, I'm, uh, Carter, I'm not paying you anymore. So... It sounded like Carter convinced him, hey, give me one more season. Just give me one more season. We'll find something. No, and- daddy. Come on. Let's, <laughs> let's keep looking. It's all right. He <laughs> keep just that money flowing. I was just say he just wants to suckle on that money tee just a little longer. So yeah. so uh, during their season uh, in November 1st, 1922, uh, Carter began his final season working in the Valley of Kings by having his workers exposed the ancient workmen's huts at the base of the tomb of Ramesses VI. After exposing and documenting the huts, Carter and his workmen began to excavate the ground beneath them. By the fourth day of work, they had found something, a step that had been cut into a rock. Now, on a different podcast, I had heard this, this how they initially found the first step told a little different. So how I had heard is one of the workers had tripped on a rock right and it shoved it out of the way and then they took notice of the step or something that was leading down to the tomb so it might not have actually been carter himself who found it but it was one of his workers and obviously it's going to lead to the tomb itself oh i'm sure he took plenty of credit don't worry about it <laughs> he's like get out of here esteban i found it <laughs> gave him a little fucking smack <laughs> I can't imagine they treated their workers very well. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I, I imagine they're locals and they're not highly paid. <laughs> what's what's Indiana Jones, that little boy slave that he has? What's his name? Oh, God, I forgot what that kid's <laughs> name was. <laughs> Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones. Yeah, he probably uh, treats his workers like Indiana Jones treats that poor little boy slave. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Honestly, back then it was pretty, pretty fucking bad for... <laughs> 
for everybody. Like, <laughs> if you weren't at least middle management, like, they could literally piss on you and it'd be fine. Like, yeah, that's it. This that brings up a good point. So, Indiana Jones is obviously racing to beat the Nazis from getting the Ark of the Covenant, right? Wait, yeah. he does he have the boy slave in that one or is it the second one? No, it's the second one. It's the second one. Yeah, okay. So, well, he's battling Nazis and he has his own little Asian boy slave. It's a little hypocritical, Indy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's a little bit like, where'd you find that kid anyway? They never really, never really talked about that. Uh, all I remember is like there's a shootout in the restaurant and then the little boy's driving the car. The like getaway car. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, those are classic movies. But uh, moving on here. So uh, once they started uncovering the steps, they they basically knew what they had. I believe what they did is they dug the stairs out. They found the sealed doors. On the tabs of the doors, they could see the um, markings of two, uh, of King Tut. So they knew he was in a, in there. So at this point, Carter halted work altogether. And he sent off word to Lord Carnarvon um, to, come, to quickly come back to Egypt to show him what he had found. You know, to have him, because it's his investment to, like, go down and see what they had found. Um, to protect oh, his... Yeah. To protect his interests, apparently, Carter <laughs> made all the workers sit and block the entrance to the tomb. Like, they had to sit in the stairwell and block it so nobody else could get could find it or see what they had found. Yeah, I imagine that there was people probably just kind of, like, lurking around, like, seeing if he found anything. Mm, just mm-hmm. to raid it. Exactly. Like, I mean, when you find something like that and what you're going to find inside of it that we're going to learn is, like... You could have been extremely fucking wealthy if you found this thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so, if we remember, he found it on the 1st, right? And Lord yeah. Carnarvon didn't arrive till November 23rd. So, it took him a <laughs> while to get from uh, England back to Egypt. Um, so, the Lord then showed up with his daughter, and then they were going to finally continue the excavation. Um <laughs> I'm sure it's not like rich people to take their sweet fucking time. So I'm sure he fucking just as fast as he could, you know? Well, okay. So I don't think he could have flown in 1922, could have he? Uh, no. He would have had to take a steamer. There's, they didn't really have, like, planes were still made out of canvas and sticks back then. Like, there's no way. How about trains? You, was there a train that went to Egypt? You would have had to take a steamer. It would have been faster just to take, because the Suez Canal, boats went down there all the time. So mm, Okay. Well, anyway, it took him, what, fucking three weeks, basically, to get there? So, yeah. uh, when he arrived, obviously, they continued, and I mentioned the sealed door with the symbol of King Tut around, around the edges, and then they noticed that the first door was partially damaged and it looked like robbers had been able to break a little piece of it and get inside. So they were really, really, really worried that it had already been raided. Um, And by all accounts, through the first room, the raiders did get in there and took shit out of there. In fact, I think they said they believed that they actually had went in and out twice, but it kind of looked like on their second way out, it had collapsed a little bit and they couldn't... They couldn't get big items out of it or something like that. So they had found it. They had found the first room anyway uh, and taken shit out of there. But they haven't 
obviously the tomb's a lot bigger than they know of. Um, so continuing through after the first room, it was a 26 foot passageway to another sealed door. And this is the one where, uh, the, as far as I remember, the robbers didn't get to it. So they spent all that time clearing out all of that area to get to the next sealed door. And it was just like the first one where it had King Tut's name kind of on it. Now, once they proceeded through this sealed door, it revealed the antechamber, which is just a smaller room that will then lead to the larger room. I guess kind of, if you imagine like a lobby, I guess, kind of. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's probably... What if you just start going in into hotel, like walk into a hotel and be like, "I'm in the antechamber right now, aren't I?" Uh, bus Ask boy. Ask the hostess, <laughs> "Where, where is the antechamber?" <laughs> <laughs> now, what's interesting is in the antechamber, as they described it, there was stuff piled nearly to the ceiling. Uh, it was filled with boxes, chairs, couches, and it had fucking gold everywhere. Just gold everywhere and how howard carter described it he called it organized chaos which is a fucking oxymoron anyway but um you know you know what i'm thinking when i heard that i bet the workers were so ready to be done with that shit they just should we put it in here nice nope and then just threw the shit in there they're like (laughs) he's fucking dead who cares just throw it in there they got yeah. Anubis will take care of it from here or whatever. <laughs> We're not even going to bother locking the first door. <laughs> like, just shut it and cover it with some fucking dirt. I'm done. <laughs> now, what was interesting here was in the room, there was two life-size statues of King Tut that were facing each other. Now, they once they were in this room, it appeared to them that this room had been broken into from a different passage. But for some reason, it's almost like they might have got in here, but couldn't get anything out of there. If that makes sense, especially since there's fucking gold and shit laying everywhere. Um, but I guess it could have maybe just been a crack or something. I, I don't really know. But anyway, um, they still didn't know where the burial chamber is. Keep that in mind. So they spent all their time carefully removing all of this shit because obviously it's extremely delicate. So while they were carefully removing it and they got most of it out of there... Then they took notice of the two lifelike statues of the king, and when they moved them, they could notice another sealed door that apparently nobody noticed beforehand. So, and then when they finally removed them, went into the door, obviously this is the burial chamber of King Tut. Now, it was, uh, they waited a year and a half after discovery before they were actually able to lift the lid of the coffin. Um, because they wanted to be very careful to make sure nothing broke and all of that obviously makes sense, right? Yeah. You so, wouldn't think back then they would be that careful. Like, you would think back then they would just like, fuck it, you know, grab the crowbars. <laughs> well, think of how many years these this guy um, spent looking for a tomb of any kind. That is true. Like, this is his life's work, dude. It's like, I mean, technically, with all that gold there... Maybe he'd be rich already, but I I don't... It almost sounded, from what I've heard before, is that when you find a tomb, you have to call the government to, like, watch you dig it or something like that. So maybe maybe the country of Egypt was watching him closely, too? Uh, I think that they were a colony of Britain at the time. Oh, well, 
Some, so you would have had to call the British. Probably the <laughs> British Science Foundation had to fucking steam her in for fucking three weeks. So <laughs> I was I'm just imagining like 30 redcoats marching down into the chamber. <laughs> halt, sir. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine also this. You're saying he like waited all this time, like waiting all that time just to fucking whip that skirt. I imagine he did take his time. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been working this chick over for five years. <laughs> now, I'm going to read this verbatim from basically describing them finally opening the uh, the coffin. So it says, once they opened the coffin, inside they found another smaller coffin. The lifting of the lid of the second coffin revealed a third one made entirely of gold. On top of the third and final coffin was a dark material that had once been liquid and poured over the coffin from the hands to the ankles. The liquid had hardened over the years and firmly stuck and firmly stuck the third coffin to the bottom of the second. The thick residue had been removed with heat and hammering. Then the lid from the third coffin was raised and finally revealed the mummy of King Tut. Now, the mummy had been in this chamber undisturbed for over 3,300 years since anybody had laid eyes on it. Like, that is insane, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that... Can you imagine stumbling upon something that's been sitting there for that fucking long? Yeah, it's crazy to think about how old Egypt is. Like, I heard this fact that, like, you know, um, Cleopatra, which was the last pharaoh, is actually closer to our time than she is to the building of the pyramid. Like, <laughs> well, that's on. how fucking old Egypt is. Well, hold on. Now, there's, uh, isn't there like eight Cleopatras? There's a lot of them, I'm pretty sure. I'm talking about the main one. Oh, uh, From okay. the Ptolemaic, yeah, the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, let's do, let's do world history. So the Earth's 6,000 years old, right? <laughs> <laughs> that means the pyramids were built five days after the Earth was created. <laughs> that was You're God's correct. first creation was the pyramids, apparently. Yeah. Now, another crazy thing is King Tut was the first ever royal Egyptian mummy that had been found but remained untouched since their discovery, if that makes sense. So all the other ones had already been like kind of fucked with or looted previous to them being found by like an archaeologist or whatever. So I don't know how they hid him so fucking well, but um, that's, I don't know. That's just crazy. Do you think in Egypt there's still maybe more pharaohs or something buried in there that like still haven't been found? I mean, it's entirely possible there's there was so much like you're talking about like thousands of years of history before they stopped making those tombs so like it's it's entirely possible hmm it's very fascinating i feel like it'd be a very an archaeologist to be a very fun but very fucking boring job at the same time yeah you'd have to be i'm not that careful like i like i have a hard enough time like making shit you know doing the shit yeah. now like yeah. um like mechanic work like on cars and stuff like i could not i could not actually like do all of the like they basically have to dig with like spoons and toothbrushes like (laughs) it's so crazy to think how they did that shit yeah so monotonous isn't it yeah all right so now we're gonna we're gonna move on to basically a list of a shit ton of people who um some people believe died because of the mummy's curse now I think what might have gotten this started 
Uh, I want everybody to keep in mind that the mummy curse thing was more of a tabloid thing that was started, I believe, in the uh, in a, like a London newspaper. Like nobody really talked about a mummy's curse. They kind of perpetuated it through scare tactics and I guess yellow journal journalism, right? Yeah. So um, when they found King Tut's tomb, it was like I said before, it was fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Like. Not only did they make up, well, I've never really heard that they made up the mummy's curse, like, themselves, but definitely, um, like, the whole, like, lore of King Tut. Like, he went from being, like, a minor king that, like, was really irrelevant and, like, basically impotent, like, as a, as far as kings go, to they created him, like, he was the most legendary king of all time, of all Egypt. Right. Just because it was so huge of a find. Now... Now, what I was saying here was they didn't necessarily make up the curse, but this this next sentence I'm going to read here, I believe they may have heard this and then kind of spun it. So they found a clay tablet um, in the antechamber that had a statement written that said, death will slay, death will slay with his wings whoever disturbs the peace of the pharaoh. Now, I could imagine them finding that. And then kind of twisting it in a newspaper and kind of scaring everybody. Because everybody wants to read about something, you know, kind of mysterious and spooky, right? Yeah, the supernatural. Yeah, so in my mind, I could see them reading that and then just kind of running with it and just kind of creating the, quote, mummy curse or whatever. Because really, as far as I know, the mummy curse, you don't really hear about it until... They found King Tut, and then obviously all these people died, and then you kind of connect the dots and be like, oh, they must have died from said curse. Did they, does it sound like they came up with the mummy curse before or after the people started dying? Uh, before. Before, and then coincidentally people started dying. Okay. Yeah, that's, I'm almost positive that's how it is. One of the guys in particular, now that man in particular was Lord Carnarvon. It seemed like he was the first one to die. Um, Now, the way he died is very interesting. Now, Lord Carnarvon had gotten a mosquito bite on his cheek. And then, (laughs) while he was shaving, he cut it open. Okay, not too too weird so far. But then, he ended up dying of blood poisoning. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, medicine wasn't great around him this time. But I feel like... A mosquito bite, I got cut open, you shouldn't necessarily die of it. What do you think? No, I mean, not someone who was wealthy. I could see someone with, like, poor hygiene who lived in, like, a ghetto, like a dirty burrow. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, like, not somebody who had probably, I'm guessing where he lived, he probably had running hot water at that time. So (laughs) Probably. Well, there is a few things here. So... If we remember, he was older and he was in Egypt because he was sick and he was trying to keep his lungs clear. So maybe he had a weaker immune system or whatever. But the interesting thing is he died just a few months after the tomb was opened and he died before the press started reporting about the alleged mummy curse. And allegedly, this is huge air quotes, my fingers are air quoting so fucking hard here. That when he died at his house, all of a sudden, all the power went out. That's what they said. Like, he died, power all went out. That's what they claim. That's what they claim. So, 
Um, it's really feeding into like the mummy mummy curse thing. So um, we'll move on to a Mr. Sir Bruce Ingham. Ingham. I think it's Ingham. So Howard, Car- Howard Carter had given his friend Sir Bruce Ingham a paperweight. Okay, everybody knows what a paperweight is. Now, this is a special paperweight because it was actually a mummified hand wearing a that still had its the bracelet attached, and allegedly the bracelet said, "Curse be who who moves my body." Um, <laughs> That's so baller. <laughs> I know. Isn't that awesome? awesome? I'd want a fucking mummy hand for a fucking paperweight, dude. Um, Just. Just to hold down your fucking papers and shit. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. That'd be awesome if the, you had like the mummy hand as a paperweight and then say it had like one long fingernail and then you could use that as like a letter opener. So it's a multi-purpose. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Some dead guy's hand is your fucking multi-tool. That's awesome. <laughs> That's such like an evil fucking rich person in the movie thing to do. Like have a mummified hand that happens to be cursed as your fucking... Uh, <laughs> paperweight yeah that's great just sitting on your fucking desk (laughs) well he is a sir so i'm assuming he's has some relevancy right oh yeah well you're a knight if you're a sir Mm. so i mean it's not like normal assholes became knights back then can you imagine if uh the queen was under attack now and she called upon who sean connery elton john bono uh fucking uh Captain Picard (laughs) (laughs) they all showed up to rode on horses to defend her that's a fucking uh, death squad I wouldn't want to fuck with they're all like 90 protect me sir Branson flying in your airline (laughs) oh god is he is he is he one of them too I think he's a sir yeah Richard Branson I think he's a sir I wonder if he's the only only knight who's ever went to outer space. Was he in outer space? Yeah, don't you remember he bought like a, a ride on a space shuttle? Oh, the Russian. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I do remember that. Yeah, he might have been the only knight in space. <laughs> Could have been. <laughs> so anyway, um now Bruce, he didn't die. But what happened to him was his house burned down allegedly after receiving the mummified hand his house burned down and then he was in the process of rebuilding it and then it was struck by a flood that wiped it out so his wasn't necessarily killed him but maybe he was cursed that bad luck that destroyed his house did he check the mummified hand for a zippo lighter (laughs) Uh, i don't think so but uh i could definitely see that happening could have been the culprit like you just like push the thumb down and it lights your cigarettes for you yeah, that'd be even better. That's a three. Yeah, I think we're. A good thing. I think we're sitting on like a million dollar idea. Just make like fake mummy hands with bracelets attached that people can use for all sorts of stuff. This sounds uh sounds pretty Letter fun. Letter opener, lighter. Whenever you want to challenge someone to a duel, you just <laughs> hit them in the face with it. Uh see, when uh, sub D gets big enough, we got to we have to uh, have that as some merchandise. That could be on a shirt. That'd be great. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. So moving on to J or sorry, George J. Gold. I think that's his name. George J. Gold. Now he was a wealthy American financier and railroad executive who visited the tomb after who visited the tomb of uh, King Tut in 1920, 1923 and fell sick almost immediately afterwards. Uh, he never really recovered and died of pneumonia a few months later. 
Now, this guy, I would say possibly maybe the uh, the fungi or mold theory could have came into effect. Um, I'm not really sure what happens to you when you, like, um, inhale that stuff. You know what I mean? I don't really know what diseases you get. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I know you get, like, a really bad cough and from, like, mold. Mm. And I think there's actually some mold that causes, like, neurotoxin kind of shit. So mm. it, like, kind of drives you crazy a little. Yeah. Well, I mean, the cold thing, pneumonia kind of fits along those lines. And I suppose in 1923, they didn't even really have an idea about what black mold was and stuff. Maybe they did. I, I, I don't really know. But anyway, he passed away. Um, now, the next one is Aubrey Herbert. Um, now, I'm assuming everyone assumes that's a lady, but that is actually a gentleman. And he was the half-brother of Lord Carnarvon. And he died just five months after Lord Carnarvon died. Now, what got Aubrey is he had a degenerative eye disease that later made him completely blind, right? So okay. a, do a doctor suggested that he had infected teeth, and that was what was causing his blindness or impaired vision. So Aubrey decided, hey, let's remove all of my teeth, and he, he was hoping to regain his vision, um, obviously it didn't work because it doesn't work like that. But anyway, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he, he died of sepsis as a result of the surgery. Now, this is like one of those kind of grasping at straws theory where he's the brother of Lord Carnarvon. He didn't visit the tomb or anything. He just happened to be associated with Lord Carnarvon. And then allegedly because of the mummy curse, he died. So you can... I don't know. I feel like that's a stretch. What do you think? It's a little bit of a stretch. I mean, <laughs> I could see if the curse said that it would take out your entire family, but this dude had problems before, and I'm <laughs> guessing a few of them, other ones had problems too. So here's I the mean, th here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever had it, but I've had an infected tooth or whatever, and I had one that had to be removed, and uh yeah, they fill you up with antibiotics when after it because it can obviously seep into like the wound. Um, so obviously, if this guy's getting all of his teeth removed, yeah, I, I'm not shocked that he died of sepsis afterwards. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why they call medicine a practice, obviously, because that fucking doctor was just clasping at straws and... He doesn't sound like the best doctor. I'm willing to bet that he's the one who probably did the surgery. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I'm sure. Um, remember, uh, if you listen to Boom 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 Podcast, Phil, you probably remember Dr. Brinkley. This sounds like something he would have probably had done to uh, Mr. Aubrey Herbert. He would have also stuffed a goat testicle into his gut. <laughs> we're taking your teeth out. We're putting goat teeth in your mouth. You'll, get, you'll have your eyesight back in no time, sir. Even though you're blind and have no teeth, you're going to be hard as a rock. You're just going to be lining up at your door, fucking tearing the shit down. Like, Dr. Brinkley, I can't see. Yeah, but can you maintain an erection? Well, yeah, I just can't see. <laughs> anyway, so moving on to Evelyn White. Now, she was another British archaeologist who visited the tomb just after, just after it had been discovered. Um, now, some even claim that she assisted in their excavation efforts, but that's not entirely conf uh, confirmed. Now, according to legend, or according to the story, in 1924, she was seeing all these other people die. This is two years after they discovered the tomb. Now, she had hung herself. 
And the legend goes that she wrote a message in her own blood that said, I have succumbed to the curse, which forces me to disappear. Um, I don't really know if that's confirmed that she wrote that or not, but that's kind of eerie if she did. Yeah, that's... uh, We do know she hung herself for sure. We do know she hung herself for sure, but we don't know if she wrote a message in blood or not. Yeah, it was like the Wild West of like mental illness, like discovery back then, like the study of it. So um, they might not have automatically thought she was crazy. Mm. Well, okay. think about this. What you said earlier about the mold or fungi or whatever that it can has a toxin that will drive you insane. What if oh, she yeah. had that and it was, it, you know, she developed mental health issues and which led to her suicide. I could see that as like a connecting link. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Um, She visited the tomb. Maybe she helped. I imagine it's just like when you see like those celebrity like build a home for charity type deals and the pop star like hits a fucking board with a hammer and is like, I'm helping. You know, I'm <laughs> guessing it was that shit. But if she did get in touch like contact with that mold and it got up in her fucking noggin that might have uh might have had something to do with it are you gonna sit there and tell me that when you see a pittsburgh Steeler player out helping his community he's just doing it for a tax benefit oh i didn't say anything about that it's mostly about <laughs> putting their fucking celebrity out there right right yeah, uh, just you, making it seem like they're helping. I think subliminal deception is working, Phil, because uh, we took out Ben Rossberger for the year. <laughs> now, yeah. he, now he can sit at home and listen to uh, all the subliminal subliminal deception episodes. So you're welcome, <laughs> <This> is, Ben. <laughs> this is a little off topic, but there are so many fucking rookie quarterbacks starting next week. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. Like, everybody's out right now. <laughs> I know. Maybe that'll it, be a trend for this year. It's like the replacements. <laughs> you're just gonna you're just gonna watch your favorite team be like, who the fuck's starting for them? Like, <laughs> you know what's funny actually? I just listened to it today. They were talking about all these older quarterbacks that are getting hurt more like the pocket people. And yeah. you're obviously much bigger into college football. Like we're getting into the the zone where it's all the young younger spread offense like running quarterbacks. Yeah, kind air of, raid is yeah, huge now. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird transition. It's kind of neat to to you know look at it from a distance. Anyway, yeah, I heard. Okay. Oh, I was gonna say I heard on the radio they're starting this weekend. It's something like I think ten air raid quarterbacks are gonna be starting this weekend. So it's like a whole new fucking uh, time for the yeah. sport. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe people who like college will like pros more now, or will like the pros or whatever now, you know what I mean? Could be. Anyway, continuing on. So uh, we're moving on to an American Egyptologist, Aaron Ember, which is a sweet last name. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, he wasn't at the tomb, but he was a friend of several people who were there who had opened the tomb. Now, in 1926... Um, just an hour after he and his wife had a party in their Baltimore home, it caught fire. Now, <laughs> apparently they could have escaped safely, but his wife said, Hey, Aaron, you gotta, you, we can't go till you get your manuscript. Um, and because he decided to try to get this manuscript, um, he died, his wife died, and the maid died in the fire. I'm kind of confused. Why didn't the maid leave? Like, okay, you guys stay here, play with your books. Why doesn't the maid leave? Yeah, 27 cents an hour. I'm getting the fuck out of there. <laughs> like, 
She's like, I'm I'm a fucking Bengals fan. I don't even like the goddamn Ravens. I'm out of here. <laughs> Dude, I can just when you said manuscript, I kept thinking like those fucking Hollywood people who sit at Starbucks all day and are writing their screenplay. <laughs> like, oh my god, my rom com. <laughs> well, he's like, go get that rom com. I heard Charlie Chaplin's coming to town in the next six months. Go get it. I wanna I want to sneak it into his briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, the name of his manuscript um, was the Egyptian Book of the Dead. So uh, that's kind of where they link him to it, where he was messing. I don't know if maybe he had some sort of Book of the Dead text from Egypt or like something like that, that he was then converting into his own book. Maybe as a curse that got him. I, I don't really know. They connect him somehow. Hmm. But I still don't. That, uh, that curse has pretty long legs if it's going all the way around the world. <laughs> it, it just grabs anybody in sight, dude. It, it grabs anybody in sight. Now, uh, we're moving on to Richard Bethel. Now, Richard was Lord Carnarvon's secu- secretary, and he was the second person to follow Howard Carter into the tomb, which I'm going to assume that means that when Lord Carnarvon wasn't on site, he left Richard here to kind of watch people in his stead, I guess. Yeah. Uh, now, what makes his weird is in 1929, he was found smothered in his room that was in an elite London gentleman's club. Um, a paper later posted this. The suggestion that the Han Richard Bethel had come under the curse was raised last year when there was a series of mysterious fires at it home where some of the priceless finds from Tutankhamun's tomb were stored. So basically they're saying that maybe he had some of the items from King Tut's tomb in his room or something, and that's why he died, or like they're connecting all the fires that are in relation to where King Tut's shit from the tomb were going. Um, This could be yellow journalism too, obviously. Man, he lucked the fuck out. I mean... He happened to go into that tomb. Later on, he gets killed by a hooker and all the newspapers are like, it was King Tut's fucking curse that got him. Like, like, no, it's probably a fucking syphilis ridden whore. Like, I'm guessing that's who smothered him to death. He probably stiffed her on the tip. I've never really the, even the money tip, the money tip. I've never really even heard of a, an elite strip club. Have you? Um, I'm guessing that they have probably better looking girls there, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, wonder I wonder if like during this time it wasn't like basically a brothel. You know well, what I mean? M- maybe it's like a higher end brothel. Because I imagine like the street re- level brothels are probably pretty fucking disgusting. Like mm. you that- pay an extra fucking couple quid and you can get, you know, premium fucking way. <laughs> you know what I couldn't understand either? Richard Bethel, they always put H O N in front of his name like Han or maybe it's honorable or I don't honorable. know. Honorable. Is it honorable Richard Bethel? Yeah, so um interesting name on that fella. So yeah. That's I, what uh oh, that's what US congressmen that's what they get is their title is honorable. Well what if they aren't honorable? Well most of them aren't. But <laughs> they get it anyway. I think- yeah, I think it's it's either them or it's judges, but I know somebody gets honorable. Mm. The honorable. All right, you ready for another long stretch of the curse? So, yeah. <laughs> Richard L- Richard Lotrell Pilkington Bethel. God, that's a fucking name. A uh, third Baron of Westbury, father of Richard Bethel, died on February twentieth, nineteen thirty. 
he supposedly threw himself off his seventh floor apartment. So he died uh, the following year after his son died. Um, And they think that could have been in relation to the curse because he apparently jumped off the seventh floor of his his apartment. Okay. So um, there's there's a lot of by proxy fucking (laughs) death here getting attributed to this curse. Like, oh, yes. You're getting into the fucking Kevin Bacon realm of this shit. Like, there's a lot of degrees this is what this is where I'm saying. Like, I thought all these people died of like a specific illness or something. And once I started like digging in, they died of like things that are almost purely coincidental. You know, there's just like a stretch. Um, oh, yeah. So we'll move on to A.C. Mace, a member of Carter Carter's excavation team, died in 1928 from arsenic poisoning. Now that one could be maybe. Because he was actually in the tomb itself when he died of arsenic poisoning, but I guess... Um, wasn't the... I know I'm going into what you guys talk about on Bumble, but but wasn't there a British female serial killer that was using arsenic at the time? Um, around this time? No, no, no. She was in the 1800s. No, about 1928, they should have known what arsenic was and how poisonous it was. So, they were probably still putting it in shit. Yeah, I'm... His... His wife could have killed him. Some his enemy could have killed him. Fucking anybody could have killed him. Um, I I don't know. He just died of arsenic poisoning. Maybe he just drank the wrong bottle. Who knows? But he was actually in the tomb. So you could maybe say, hey, this guy died of a curse. Maybe. Yeah, he's not so much of a stretch because he actually went there. Right. So this one's a good one. I always thought that the, the Pharaoh's curse or King Tut's curse was it killed all of the people like in the in line of like when they went into the tomb like no. it killed the person who first went in there first and then second third fourth nope not in the least bit because uh we're saving henry carter for the very last so um okay. you're gonna find out what happened to him now sir archibald douglas reed all he was was the radiologist who did x-rays of king tut's body now Apparently, he did the x-rays of King Tut's body, and the following day, he fell ill, and then he died within three days. Now, this guy, I think you could say, hey, maybe he has something to do with the curse, or, like we said before, the, like, bacteria, or the fungi, or the fucking uh, mold, because he would have been close up on the body, you know what I mean? So Yeah, I also wonder how many unprotected x-rays he did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, like nowadays they have to go behind like a lead lined. Like back then, yeah. he probably just stood there with a little cord and clicked the button, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you're telling me he wasn't wearing a leaded vest or anything? No, maybe a leaded jockstrap, but that's it. <laughs> just <laughs> got to protect what's important. <laughs> I could see someone coming in there and be like, hey, Archibald, you should really wear this so you don't die of cancer. You fucking pussy. I've been doing this for 20 years. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, that is funny because he was the one who took the nude pics of uh, King Tut, like getting that fucking seeing through all the wrappings, mm. getting a look at that question mark spine. <laughs> well, yeah, anyway, his death is weird. I'll give him that. His death's weird. Now, this next guy, um, I could almost I couldn't barely believe this was actually his real last name. But apparently it's James Henry Breasted. Um, his last name's Breasted. How would you like that last name? You know, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mind passing that on, you know. Breasted? Family mod. Breasted? Yeah. 
I, yeah. I mean, I guess it's not terrible, but you'd have to. I mean, walking into a room, you'd have to stand up straight, be like real, you know, like God damn it, my name's Preston, <laughs> you know, like you couldn't. Someone couldn't ask you your name, and be like Preston. They'd all laugh. You gotta fucking say it with vigor. Can you imagine him being so mad when somebody calls him like James Henry Tits or James Henry? Uh, <laughs> it's Hancock now. <laughs> it's James. Or what if his original name was James Henry, like uh, Floppy Tits or something? He's like, it's breasted now. God damn it. <laughs> it's, it's breasted now. My people are proud. <laughs> so he was another um, famous e- Egyptologist. Uh, who was working with Howard Carter after the tomb opened. Now, according to James, after he went in the tomb and everything, he had a pet canary. Now, according to him, when he returned home, his pet canary had been eaten by a king cobra, and the cobra was now sitting inside the canary's cage, just sitting there. Now, why this is weird is because the cobra was a symbol for the Egyptian monarchy, and yeah, if you remember on their, um, I don't even know what you call their headgear, their hats, whatever, it had a cobra on it sometimes. So, oh, yeah, their they're, uh, headdresses. Yes. Yeah. So what some people are saying is because the cobra ate his bird, it's like a warning sign that he shouldn't have been fucking around in King Tut's tomb. Yeah, it sounds like he traded in his pet canary for a pet king cobra. Like, <laughs> just, you got an upgrade. <laughs> I wonder where he was. He had to be in Egypt around this time to get a fucking cobra in his oh, house, yeah. right? You're, you're not picking that shit up on Piccadilly. Like, that's, you're in Egypt. You're in Egypt for that. Yeah. So is there king cobras in Pittsburgh? There might be. I don't know. <laughs> I definitely know there's uh there's got to be some backwood shit like some crocodiles or <laughs> wild hog running around. <laughs> All right. Now, he didn't die from this obviously. It was just strictly a warning. He did die in 1935 and he died right after he had just returned home from Egypt. So, probably not in regards to the King Tut curse or whatever. Yeah. And now we're going to get to our very last guy, Howard Carter. Um, You would think he'd be the one who would die uh, more than any of them because he was, like you said, or like you were saying, he was the first guy in there. He was the guy leading the charge. Like, uh, but yeah, he lived a full life. He didn't, he didn't die. I mean, he died of cancer when he's like 76 or something like that. But um, the worst that he said he had experienced was... He had nightmares about um, jackals and stuff related to uh, Anubis, obviously the Lord of the Dead or whatever. But um, otherwise, he was fine. Never got fucked with. Never nothing. So uh, basically, when you kind of search for the the story, there's essentially within a 10-year period, 10 people in regards to King Tut's tomb had died that they kind of correlate with a curse. Um, basically kicking off with, uh, Lord Carnarvon. So could, uh, could you imagine being that guy, uh, Carter, the dude who first walked in there and all of these people are dying like by proxy or like immediately, like we're in the tomb. They're all dying. You'd have to look around every corner, like just thinking that your number was up every time you got out of bed. Right. Like I couldn't imagine that, like having this, like the threat of this curse, like, fucking just above your head all the time. <laughs> this fucking Damocles shit. Like, 
every day. Okay. Of course, he might not have believed it, but. So I'm putting a conspiracy theory in here. Now, I'm going to spin the theory here. What if, because of all the wealth that was in the tomb, Howard Carter hired a very, well, maybe not very young, like a time-traveling Barry Satiro, a.k.a. Barack Obama, to assassinate all his competition so then he could get all the gold and then after Obama was done, then he returned to the future. Mm, that <laughs> is a good point. I didn't even think about that. I know when I was writing this, I was like, how the hell are we going to weave Obama into mummy curses in 1922? How are we going to pull this off? But basically we can put him anywhere because he's a time traveler. That is true. Well, I mean, he also did have motive too because... You did say that there was King Cobras involved. Yes. King Cobras are reptiles. So ah. he could think that he's moving against the reptilian order by um, going against the pharaohs who use the King Cobra as their sigil. Right. Could That's a good point. be that. What if it was we like... Also, we, Go what's ahead. That? Go ahead. We also haven't even discussed how Gordon Ramsay got involved with this either. <laughs> well, he was probably, maybe he was the chef on site for the excavation. And certainly for the guy who died of arsenic poisoning, maybe Chef Ramsay gave it a little too much spice for that guy. And he Gordon died. Gordon Ramsay is British. See, there we go. He's Crap got it. Him. He was cooking a black mold souffle or something, and they just all happened to die of it. What if he was using the mummified hand to, like, stir his sauce while he was <laughs> cooking dinner for him? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, what's that taste? That ever he gets pissed off because they spit it out. Takes out his Tommy gun. <laughs> I, wonder, I really want to see him, like... On the grill, like flipping camel steaks or something with the mummified hand. Be like, here's how you test if it's like medium rare or not. You just kind of stick the finger in there. And then depending how easy it goes in there is how you know your meat's cooked, guys. <laughs> I don't remember what the movie's name is, but there was this movie, um, Mark Wahlberg and The Rock, where they were telling The Rock, who was um, like jacked up on cocaine at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To burn the fingerprints off of the hands. So he like took the grill outside and was like burning these hands on the grill. And like, everyone was like staring at him. It just reminded me of that. I forgot <laughs> what that fucking movie's name was though. But <laughs> I actually think I heard the real story of that. Not that long ago. Um, the movie's pretty far off from it, but uh, yeah, I can't remember it. I remember I watched that with you when I was visiting in England. I'm almost positive. Yeah. But anyway, um, so Phil, do you think, that there's any possibility that King Tut left a curse off that slowly wiped out the party that found his tomb? Or do you think this is just merely a string of coincidences? Um, well, I think 100% that the people who buried King Tut thought that they were leaving a curse. There's 100% right. of that. Oh, yes. Was there an actual curse? Um, possibly for... The people who actually immediately, like, actually went in there themselves. But I don't think all these by proxy deaths <laughs> were, because they they seem like they're, it's a stretch. Yeah. But there are, there are some who died of weird circumstances who actually, like, walked in there. When I thought of, like, what I heard of the, the King Tut's curse, like I said before, was people who immediately went in there died in sequence, like you would see in a horror movie. But no. It'd be, um, it'd be more compelling if that was the case. Yeah, this kind of, this takes a little juice out of the, 
the whole thing for me. We do that a lot on these. Episodes. Yes, absolutely. We take a lot of these. <laughs> I think we break a lot of people's hearts on these uh, these episodes, but I'm going to give it a solid one percent. That's that a there curse. Is a, that there's a curse, and it was killing people. Mm. Um, but, yeah, but I, not the by proxy people, just the immediate people. No, I I think um, yeah, I'll go with you. Probably less than one percent. It's a mummy's curse. I think there's a probability that it had some black mold or something that uh, might have poisoned them or like in the lady who hung herself, maybe it was something that kind of eroded her brain eventually or something like that. Like it's just a, the paper started the mummy curse and then everybody wants to connect the dots any way they possibly can to kind of make that true. Because frankly, a mummy curse is kind of cool. A mummy, like that's the whole reason we do the episode is because a mummy curse is fucking cool and I'm not afraid to sh- uh, say I thought The Mummy and The Mummy Returns were good movies. I don't care what anybody Ooh. says. So Brendan Fraser originals. Yep. Uh, yep. Those are good movies. Those are fun movies. They have mummies. They have mummies coming back from the dead. They have mummy curses. Mummy stuff's pretty cool. But yeah, I don't think that it's connected like a curse. I think it's just merely a string of coincidences. Um, you know, people die. It, it happens. But uh mm-hmm. But anyway, what if, uh, oh, I was going to say, what if in that in the tomb that they opened, like there could have been some ancient bacteria that was like extinct now, but possibly, you know, woke up. Mm. Could have been something like that. I just had a, like a weird little thought. But. That's that's a good point, because it, aren't they afraid that's going to happen in is it Russia where like it's uh, the ice is the permafrost is melting and then underneath is like woolly mammoth carcasses and all sorts of shit and they think once that melts it's gonna like release these like diseases and shit that have been frozen in there forever oh yeah yeah they're uh they're worried about that they're worried about um the rainforest defor like the deforestation of the rainforest like all of the fucking bacteria and shit that's hiding in there all of the viruses coming out like that's they're worried about that shit too and also meteors coming Uh, in panspermia well, at least Barack Obama will uh, save us from meteors. We don't have to worry about those. Now, <laughs> for, a, for a price, of course. <laughs> it's going to be like real-life Armageddon. There'll be eight Barack Obamas up there. They'll all have traveled to the same timeline, gotten a ship, and fought off an asteroid. Now, uh, Phil, if someone wants to contact us about their theories on King Tut, where can they do that? Well, uh, first of all, our email subliminal d podcast at gmail.com uh i was telling cody before the episode we actually got uh an email from a fan uh said that we were actually his favorite podcast on the internet and he said they thought that we were the best podcast so thank you for that jamie that was great uh yeah, yeah. that's, uh, a, that's Joe a rogan go to hell i guess <laughs> Um, yeah, Jamie, send Joe Rogan an email that says you ain't got shit on sub D. No, but, uh, uh, thank you very much, Jamie. That's awesome. You, uh, he's our first emailer, isn't he? Yep. First email. We get a lot from Instagram, uh, like we said before, but the first one from the email. So we're also on, uh, Instagram. I just mentioned subliminal deception podcast on IG. Uh, Cody and I both have our own, uh, mine's SD pod, Phil, Cody, I'm sure uh, mine is my personal one's Cody Zabub. Uh, you can go ahead and add me. Uh, I think a few people have been adding me, so thank you for that. Um, and then you can check out my other podcast, Bumblebub Podcast, on Instagram or search for it on your favorite podcasting application. 
Um, the last thing we need you to do or we ask you to do is to log into iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Leave the show a five-star review. Uh, doesn't matter really what you write in there. You can write, um, my last name's Breasted. Uh, whatever it is, just make sure it's five stars. And I know some of you have been doing it, so thank you very much for that. Um, otherwise, I think that's going to do it for this week, Phil. So uh, why don't we get out of here? All right. Thanks, guys.